It's football commercial season. Become a USA Today Ad Meter panelist and watch and rate the big game commercials. You'll be entered to win a trip to the big game in 2022 just for registering. Sign up now and see official rules at admeter.usatoday.com. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Hey, Drew, um, if this does end up being your last season, was it worth it? Would you have any regrets about coming back? And if it was worth it, I guess, what makes that decision worth it? I mean, it's just it's so many hours and so much work. I would never regret it. Never. Um, no complaints, no regrets. Um, man, I, I've always tried to play this game um, with a great respect and a great reverence for it. And man, I, I, I appreciate all that this game has, has given to me. Um, there are obviously so many incredible memories, so many incredible relationships that have come as a result um, of playing this game. And then you find out so much about yourself and you have to fight through so much, you know, when you play this game. And, and I'd say this season probably had to fight through more than I've ever had to in any other season in my career um, from injury to all the COVID stuff to just crazy circumstances. Um, man, it was worth every moment of it. Well, there it is, John, right? Drew Brees saying he has no regrets about coming back for another Super Bowl run with the Saints, even if it does once again end in just painful fashion, especially this one. Four turnovers, three Brees INTs, two of them in the fourth quarter. That's what ultimately sunk the Saints. Another good Saints season, we should say. It's still fresh. We're less than 24 hours after that game went final, John, but how you feeling, my man? Where's your head at after all that went down on Sunday night? Man, man, I, I've made my peace with it. Um, I, I've accepted it, and uh, now it's uh, chin up and eyes forward, and let's see where we go from here. Uh, it, it sucks. Um, you know, that, that, that's how several Saints players uh, described it themselves in, in their Monday press conferences. Um, you know, for, for, for this to be how it ends, for, the, for this to be probably the end of the line for Drew Brees, the, the, this to be the end for that. 2017 draft class that the Saints brought in with Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Dramchek and all these guys, Trey Hendrickson, all these guys who have been so important for so long. Um, but for this to be the cap, uh, it, it, it's painful. It hurts. Um, and it's going to bring a bunch of new changes to New Orleans. And I, I guess the best thing I could say about it is that, that that's how life is. Um, you know, things can change in a hurry and that, that's where we are now with the, with the Saints. And we, we, can't really afford to get too sentimental about it, I guess. <laughs> no, no, I hear, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, 
unfortunately, we're not talking about the NFC Championship game. We're talking about some bigger picture things, and we'll get into some of that. But first of all, on the topic of Breeze, I think this is a good place to start. Obviously, I mean, he's, as you said, he's widely expected to retire, John, after his 20th season. He's 42 years old. You know, that was out there again pregame. You know, we always talk about those big media drops, right? They always seem to come. And once again, they were talking about Breeze, you know, he was going to retire. I think that was Fox Sports that had that. You know, but Breeze, however, did stop short of stating his intentions in the postgame presser, right? He kind of left it open, said he's going to he's gonna go back and think about it. And it makes you wonder, like, oh, man, this is not the way he wanted to go out. This was not the fairy tale ending, obviously, you know, that he envisioned. And I think as we go into the first couple weeks, first month of the uh, Saints offseason here, this is going to be a storyline we got to follow. Does Breeze want to come back? Is he going to be upset about the way that thing ended? And do the Saints want to bring him back? And is it a good idea for the Saints? So this is a storyline that we're going to be tackling over the next few weeks. Yeah, and, you know, Breeze has really been chasing that fairy tale ending send-off for the last few years. Ever since the 2018 NFC title game, the, the no-call, that's why he came back the year after that was because we had unfinished business. Well, they turn up and flat against the Vikings in the, in the postseason of last year. So he comes back this season saying, hey, you still got unfinished business. And it gets to a point where you feel like that business is going to remain unfinished. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Drew Brees is a very thoughtful guy when it comes to, to these issues. Um, look back at his reaction a few years ago when Eli Manning hung up his cleats. Uh, years before that, when Peyton Manning called it a career. He's always said that he's going to be very thoughtful about when he steps away from the game. Um and I, I do expect him to take some time here uh, to reach the, reach a decision. But, I mean, the, the writing has been on the wall for a while now that this is it for him. And for Jay Glazer to outright say it, that this is the last time he will play in the Superdome um, before the game on Sunday, to me that, that that's the last straw. I mean, that that's the end of, end of the line. Now, Glazer is the tightest reporter to the Saints um, around. Uh, his his line into the building is Sean Payton's uh, cell phone. Um, the two, those, those two are so close. He, he's the one who breaks the news of when Sean Payton signs the contract extension. He's the one breaking the news when Sean Payton trades Jimmy Graham to the Seahawks. Um, if he's saying that this is the last game that Breeze is playing in the Superdome, it's because that's what Payton has told him. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, this may drag, this may drag out for a few weeks, but it's a wrap I fully expect us to have a, you know, in, in, in this career retirement press conference from Breeze in a few weeks, in, in months, however long, however long it takes for him to re- come to that conclusion. Yeah, it, it checks out, right? It checks out with, you know, the images of Breeze on the sideline after that second interception in the fourth quarter. You could tell it was just killing him inside. Uh, the, the shot of him going into the tunnel, looking back over his shoulder, John, I, I know you shared a tweet I caught that on the broadcast. I'm like, oh, man, you see that little look back? It was right before the commercial, but you could see it. He just did this. He took the helmet off, waved to some fans, and he did this little look back at the field like he wanted to just have a memory of walking into that tunnel for the final time one more time as a player. So, yeah, I think that all checks out. And I think another storyline we could think about when we're assessing Breeze, I mean, it, it became clear now. Last week we talked about, I was like, John, why the hell did Taysom Hill come in there to drop back pass, right? There was no play action figure. Remember that that fumble against the Bears? Taysom went, he just was looking down the field. It wasn't a, a play action thing. It wasn't a run pass option. Well, actually, the broadcast, for the first time, I think, in my life, watching the broadcast, I learned something 
from the guys in the booth. Like, I love this. They actually talked about it, and they said, <laughs> well, the reason that Sean Payton brought Taysom Hill in last week against the Bears is because Breeze cannot throw the ball down the field. He can't threaten defenses down the field. And that checks out because, yeah, Breeze's numbers were not good, 19 for 34, 134 yards. It's that average per pass, 3.9 average per completion, right, which is just a terrible number. It's a terrible, terrible number in the NFL. It's a number you don't see, and I think it does paint that picture yeah, that uh, he, he couldn't throw it down the field and challenge him, could he? No, and uh, Drew, gosh, you, you hate to say it, but I mean, this is the, uh, the playoffs autopsy episode, so we got to dig into it here. Um, Drew averaged fewer yards per pass attempt than Alvin Kamara uh, gained as a runner on yards per carry. Um, and you, 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 you never see that in the NFL. You never see no. someone average, someone who just cannot make a play 10, 10 or more yards down the field. Um, and so that's what, that's what leads me to think that no, the, the Saints are ready to move on uh, because I just don't know how – Sean Payton could say, "Okay, we're we're going to find a way to um, make this work for another year. We're going to find a way to convince the playbook even further, to convince the field even further, and find a way to win like this." And I just don't know that you can do it. So even if Drew does want to come back another year, I just have to think that the Saints would tell him thanks, but no thanks, because that they've got to move on at some point. They cannot continue. Uh, and, as great as this roster is, they cannot continue to go forward with a quarterback who cannot make NFL throws week in and week out. And that's what we saw against Tampa Bay was the Bucks really daring Breeze to beat them, and he and he couldn't do it. He was trying, uh, but he, his arm just doesn't have the juice anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I think one one thing that was really interesting that was being shared on social during the game, and then the broadcast, you know, ultimately picked it up was how the how Sean Payton copied the Bears trick play on the on the one where you know they scored the big touchdown the Traquan on the trick play and everyone's saying look Sean Payton did exactly what the Bears did but he didn't did he John he didn't do exactly what the Bears did because the Bears left Trubisky on the field and Sean Payton took Drew Brees out and put in Jameis Winston because Jameis could throw it down the field and hit that ball so I just think that's super telling and not to harp on this too much but you know, to have, like you said, that for Breeze to have an average yards per completion lower than Alvin Kamara's yards per rush, which is a wild stat. I didn't know that, but it makes sense. That's a full body of work thing. So that's not just Breeze a couple months ago coming back from 11 fractured ribs and he's still not 100%. This is a full body of work like he's 42 years old thing, right? Is that where is that where we're at? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Drew, is he... As a passer, he, he's the shadow of his former self at this point. And on, on that play you, you mentioned with uh, the, the Jameis deep ball, that, that was I mean, credit to the Bears here. That was a terrifically designed play. <laughs> it seems to work all the time. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, uh, clearly. Um, and, you know, the, the Saints executed it a bit, a bit better, um, that they were able to actually complete the pass. But, go, but going it, running the Wildcat there with Jameis Winston out at receiver and Kamara taking the snap out of shotgun, handing off to Emmanuel Sanders, running across the formation. Sanders pitches it to uh, uh, Jameis Winston, and Winston throws 56 yards downfield, throwing the best ball that Saints fans have seen from their quarterbacks in years um, to Traquan Smith, wide open downfield. Uh, It was tremendous, and I think that might give us a window into what the Saints offense might look like next year, assuming that Breeze does not return. You just mentioned Saints fans. 
How do they feel about Breeze, right? I know you were kind of on Twitter talking about, man, it might be time to log off at this point, right? I mean, I know how dark it could get, especially this time of year, especially after games this big. So I'm sure there are a lot of people out there saying this and that. Um, but, you know, Breeze is an interesting guy. As much as he's very likable, he has had some, like, foot-in-your-mouth kind of moments over his career, some of the things he said publicly, John. How do Saints fans really feel about Breeze, and how should they, do you think? It's complicated, man. People are complicated. Yeah, um, of course. You know, th- th- there's so much respect for what Breeze has accomplished on the field, all, all of the records, all the stats. Uh, he-, he-, he brought in the best era of Orleans Saints football that we've ever seen in-, in the history of this franchise. No doubt. And he is still so respected for that. Yeah, the off-the-field issues, that-, that does carry a lot of weight with a lot of people. And if you take that and combine it with his regressed poor performance the last few years, then you get takes where people are saying, "Yeah, we got to get him out, got to get him out of here. Let, let's bring Winston back. Let's run it with Taysom. Do do what we got to do." But Drew's day is done, and you you get those you do get those takes coming in. Um, but you know, I mean, right now uh, the perception is, is what it has been for a while now. Where, where Drew Brees, um, to say fans, he, he is a First ballot Hall of Famer, or he should be. He is one of the he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation, one of the best passers of all time. Um, and it's going to be painful when he does eventually, you know, get, get up on that stage and, and give that press conference where he says that he's not coming back this time. I don't know the Saints fans are necessarily looking forward to it, but I think that is the, the widespread expectation at this point. All right, so coming up next, I want to get into the game a little bit. I actually feel like the turning point had nothing to do with Breeze. I don't think it was one of his bad plays. I think there was a different play that really turned this game on its head. I think John might agree. We'll talk about that coming up next. And also, we'll get into some bigger pitcher stuff. We'll have to look ahead to 2021. That's not what we wanted. We wanted to look ahead to the NFC Championship game, John. We're not going to get to do that. But people can still do that thing. If you're if you're into sports wagering, there are a couple games, some big games next weekend. Here's some advice on who you should bet on. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. We're breaking down the NFC Championship game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers, three and a half point favorites at home at Lambeau Field. Jeff, can the Bucks keep it within a field goal in the cold at Lambeau? Oh, for sure. I'm taking Tom Brady. Tom Brady's team plus three in the hook in a conference title game. Their defense is legit. They could be getting back defensive tackle Vita Vey, which is going to help keep Green Bay to some third and longs. And also, it'll let the Tampa Bay back, uh, Tampa Bay pass rushers pin their ears back and take advantage of a Green Bay offensive line that's a little weakened with David Bakhtiari out with injury. Packers had little trouble against the number one rated defense of the Los Angeles Rams last week. That offensive line still number one in pass blocking, still number one in run blocking. I'm all over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They're going to win by over four points. Third down and two. Quick throw, Cook makes the catch, first down, balls out, and into the arms of Devin White. It's a takeaway by this defense. So, John, I thought that was the uh, that was the turning point. There, we can we can get on Breeze for the two interceptions in the fourth quarter, and obviously those were uh, those were terrible plays. But the turning point 
came on that Jared Cook fumble, right? The Saints are up by seven late in the third quarter, and Cook is running into Bucks territory with the football with a first down, right? He's going to pick up a first down if he just gets on the ground and doesn't fumble that ball. I think he kind of got what he deserves. For one of the biggest, strongest dudes on the field, he's kind of carrying that thing like a loaf of bread. I, I, and I think that there, there may be a history of that or a history of bad plays with him. I saw on Twitter, maybe sometimes Jared Cook's best plays are end up being bad plays for the uh, Saints. But this one was a killer, right? I mean, the Saints are rolling. They have a chance to go up by two scores. He puts the ball on the turf on that strip by Winfield, and then the Bucks score five plays later, and all of a sudden there's all kinds of doubt on that Saints sideline, and that carried over into the fourth quarter. So you know, any question in your mind that that was the turning point, that Cook fumble? I think it was certainly a big turning point. Um, there were a couple of instances in this game where New Orleans had, had, had it, and they, they, they hurt themselves, and it swung the other way. But this, this might be the biggest one. Um, <clears throat> if Cook holds on to the football there, the Saints are setting up at midfield, um, or beyond midfield, excuse me. They're in, in Tampa Bay territory. They're up by seven, like you said. They've got an opportunity to go up 27 to 13. And I don't know that the Buccaneers' offense had the gas to, to keep up with that. Hell no. Um, ball game, I think. I think um, ball game. If they get a touch, <laughs> if they get the Saints get a touchdown there, ball game, right? It's ball game. Uh, because, you know, every touchdown the Bucs scored came off of a New Orleans turnover. It's not that fumble by Jared Cook. It's the, three, it's the, the multiple interceptions off of Drew Brees. Um, but, you know, Cook has been a liability for at times for much of this year. Uh, he's had several drop passes. Uh, he fumbled in the last game with Tampa Bay, uh, the 38-3 blowout. It ended up not hurting the Saints as badly as it did this time. Um, but he's someone that the Buccaneers knew if they could, you know, time their punch right, he's going to give them the football. Yeah, And it's kind of confusing to see, you know, someone who has played uh, 178 games in the NFL uh, have these ball security issues um, where he's fumbling in the playoffs like this, but it is what it is. And it, it's just frustrating. It's a frustrating way for his career to earn to, to end. He's one of 21 free agents. who's uh, going to hit the open market in a few, in a few months. And you, you, you just really hate to see it. And yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're right. That would probably be the turning point in that game because I don't know that, you know, Tom Brady's offense is going to go 75 yards against the same defense. But, on that day to keep uh, keep up the pace and and narrow the gap there. Instead, they tied it up 20 to 20 off of that turnover. And as we saw, they were able to extend that lead off of another giveaway by the Saints later on. No, no doubt the Bucks were, I mean, yeah, Brady made some plays and the Bucks receivers made some plays. That catch by Tyler Johnson was ridiculous. Oh my God, that thing was crazy. But yeah, all on short fields, all on kind of momentum swinging turnovers. And, you know, the Saints' final four drives of the season are just painful. Fumble, punt, interception, interception, ball game, right? And, and that's just, that's what we got to chew on here. You know, anything else really stand out to you from the game, John, as you're, as you're working on your post-game stuff for Saints Wire? No catches for Michael Thomas. That's a, that's a head-scratcher. And we talked last week about just the band not being together all year. You know, the, all the weapons just, for guys that are, are so dominant when they're together on the field, they really didn't have a lot of time together this year. And, and Thomas just was never himself, it didn't seem. And I thought it was interesting, like, yeah, no Taysom, no Latavius Murray. So Ty Montgomery's getting snaps out there and spelling Alvin Kamara. But I thought Ty Montgomery got way too many snaps in the fourth quarter. I was like scratching my head. I'm like, why Why are they handing it to Ty Montgomery right now? Uh, that was just strange to me. It was, did anything like, what, what else is in your notes from this game that really stand out? They had so many of the same flaws that we've seen from the Saints 
in the playoffs before, hmm. where the defensive line did not show up for a big game against an opponent that they, you know, beat the snot out of uh, twice this year already. Um, you know, you wouldn't know that the Buccaneers' right guard was starting his first game in the, in the NFL uh, the way the Saints played against him. Um, you wouldn't know that Trey Hendrickson had three sacks in the previous two games with Donovan Smith to get shut out, didn't have so much of a hit. Actually, um, I actually looked it up, John, to make sure he played today. I was like, did Hendrickson end, end yeah, up playing? Yeah. He was a full go, but yeah, nothing. Nothing from Hendrickson in this one. No, no, that, that's not how he wants to go into free agency in a few months. Uh, <laughs> so oh. uh, he, he didn't really seize his opportunity, neither did Sheldon Rankins, and another uh, highly drafted player in that New Orleans front. Um, and this has been the story of the Saints in the playoffs for a while now, is they kind of, they've been crumbling against this better competition in, in these higher-profile matchups. Um I don't want to rag on the defense too hard because they did they, – they, they were the better squad out, out of them and the offense on the day. Uh, they, they were the ones who were giving the Bucks most trouble. They were the ones frustrating them most often. Um, they were the ones who held the Buccaneers receivers. Um, look, look at this. Chris, Chris Godwin had four catches, 34 yards. Uh, Scotty Miller, one catch, 29 yards. Tyler Johnson, yeah, he had the big third down completion. But Antonio Brown and Mike Evans combined for two catches for 13 yards on the day. Yeah, it was all um, tossing it to the running backs, right? The Bucks figured that thing out. Just toss it to the running back and pick up yards, and that's what they were doing. Yeah, that was all they could do. Um, the Saints did, did, did a terrific job uh, guarding the middle of the field, uh, making Tom Brady either attempt some really difficult plays out, or passes out to the perimeter or checking it down to his backs and hope, hoping they can do something with it. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hammering the drum here. That's because Marcus Williams played a terrific game at free safety where he was taking away those passing lanes down the team, and he is another free agent who the Saints have to try and re-sign in a few, in a few months. So, man, it, it, it's frustrating all around because you've got guys who could have made a lot of money who instead are going to have to answer a lot of questions very soon, and that's not going to make things any easier for the Saints because now they have to say, well, is Trey Hendrickson – a 13 and a half sacks per year player, or is he someone that we can't count on in January? And it, 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 it's, it's difficult, um, even in even in light of everything else that's surrounding the franchise with Drew Brees and all all of this. Uh, one thing I do want to say is that the Saints were running the ball really well on, on offense. Um, that that was consistently there. Alvin Kamara had several uh, very effective runs to, to the outside. They didn't run as much outside zone as you, as they had before. Um, I don't know if they were trying to set up something and then had to get away from it later on. Uh, but but Kamara was, was, was effective um, on, on, on the touches that he did get. Michael Thomas has to play better. Um, that, that that feels like a Captain Obvious thing, thing to say, considering he just had his first NFL game without catching a single pass. Needs to be said, though. Uh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, but they can't have their $100 million receiver uh, getting shut out by Carlton Davis every, every week. Now, I understand that that's a tough matchup. Davis has played like one of the best corners in the NFL this year, uh, except against Darby Hill that one time, which keep an eye on that. If, 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 we, if they do uh, win next week in advance to the Super Bowl, possibly against the Chiefs again. Yeah. Uh, but Thomas has got to win those matchups. He can't be going around calling himself can't guard Mike if he is, in fact, being guarded effectively. Uh, he is too important a cog in the, in the offensive machine in New Orleans to – fail like this. Um, right now, I'm looking at him. Uh, my Secret Santa uh, a few years back for Super, or SB Nation 
got me a Michael Thomas prayer candle, which sits on my work desk. Um, so he, I'm sure he, he's judging me very hard right now uh, for slandering it like this. But Mike, you, 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 you've got to step up. Um, this is a few postseasons in a row now where he has not made a difference for, for his team. And so part of the issue is the Saints not having other weapons to take attention away from him. Teams can rest easy putting their number, number one corner on him these days and knowing that, that he's not going to win that matchup. Yeah, he's been hurt with the high ankle sprain, the hamstring that was caused by, by that. But you can only blame the injuries for so much. And maybe things will look different once he's working with a different quarterback. Uh, he, he certainly was productive with Teddy Bridgewater last year, with Ace Hill this, this year. Um, I like to think that someone like Jameis Winston with a more live arm can max out Thomas's abilities better than Reeves can. But we, we just don't know at this stage. Um, it was a frustrating, frustrating all around is how I would sum up this game from this thing. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. And we've mentioned some of these free agents that are coming up. As you said, 21 Saints are going to hit free agency. So that's the, uh, that's the topic we'll be tackling over the, the coming weeks and months. And you mentioned Trey Hendrickson. A sack machine in the regular season, but I guess not so much in the playoffs, unfortunately. So that'll be an interesting one. I'd, uh, you would imagine the Saints would be in on him. Cook, I would not be surprised if he moves on. He's 34 years old. Uh, Jameis Winston, though, he is a guy that came here on a one-year really short contract. You know, like I think it was veteran minimum, right, John? And he seems like he it was became, close to it. It was yeah. right around right around two million for the year. So there it is. Um, it, 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 yeah, he made more per week on his contract with the Bucks last season than he got from the Saints for this entire year. <laughs> oh, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. Wow! So it seemed like they brought him in as a kind of like, let's see what happens. You can be Breeze's backup, and then it was a little, a little sketchy when Breeze got hurt for a couple of weeks, and it was just Taysom Hill's show. And now you're getting reports that, oh, you know, next year maybe the Saints will sign Winston and they'll do the whole thing. Like Winston will take the breeze role and Taysom Hill will will mix in and they'll do that thing. So I'm confused about the future of the quarterback position for the Saints, John. I have no idea what's coming. Are, do you think they're going to sign Jameis Winston and do that thing and he'll he'll be the starter, quote-unquote, when the Saints uh, do kick off the 2021 season? Or is this Taysom Hill's team? Like, what the hell's going on here? I, I, it feels like it's, we're getting <laughs> conflicting reports, my man. I would like to see Jameis Winston starting instead of Taysom Hill uh, in, in, in August and September. Um, but at this stage, we, we just don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, I will say that most of the reports that have come out have said that the Saints hope to get Winston uh, back. We'll have to wait and see how things shake up around the league, what opportunities he may get in free agency. Uh, Mid Roethlisberger was almost as bad as Drew Brees this year. Uh, so that, that's certainly an opportunity for him to go and possibly take over a franchise. So he, I'm sure Winston will have, will have options, but I do think his best future may be in New Orleans because he can look at what Drew Brees has done over the last 15 years and say, hey, I, I can do a lot, of, a lot of those things. And he won't have to learn a lot of new things in order to, to do that. He already knows the offense. He knows the verbiage for the offense. He, he knows – the Saints' tendencies. He knows what Sean Payton likes out of his quarterback, what, what's expected. Um, he knows the, the good places to eat, eat around town, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah. he, he's got so many things have already broken the right way for Winston in New Orleans that I think it's more likely than not that he'll stick around. And I think that would be what that is what's best for, for everyone in, involved. Because, worst case scenario, if he does come back, He's got to go into training camp and win a, win a battle, a competition for the starting job, 
with Taysom Hill, someone that he's already shown he can throw, he, he can out throw. Uh, now he just needs to show that he can cut down on the turnovers and do a and just do a more effective job running the offense. Considering he did that for like five years in Tampa Bay, uh, I, I think he's got it in him. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But right now, my expectation is that Winston will come back. I don't know what. what at what number, I don't know how the finances would shake out on that, but I really doubt he would agree to come back and start for just $2 million a year. Yeah, no, no doubt. And he seems to be kind of food-motivated, John, right? He's always eating the W. He had that thing with the crab legs, and it, it doesn't get much better than New Orleans for food. And so, I mean, you know, hopefully he wants to stick around because I think it seems like the team loves him. And the reaction that he got when he came on that sideline after, after throwing that touchdown pass to Traquan, I mean – the team freaking loves him. You can just tell everybody loves Winston. So I think he's he's kind of resurrected himself a little bit. I think some people kind of you know maybe thought he was just an idiot, you know, maybe an immature kind of dude. But he seems to have like kind of repaired his image a little bit. And you know that would be a cool story if he sticks around with the Saints and becomes like a, a tandem with Taysom Hill next year. Uh, that'd be that'd be a good one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think a lot of the progress he's made has simply been by staying out of the out of the spotlight. Sure. Um, we did get that really great uh, week one reaction um, meme of Winston holding the sideline. So that really shows you how quickly he can get right back in there and <laughs> kind of dominate, kind of dominate uh, the broadcast. But we'll see how it plays out. I mean, he 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 has always been kind of a goofball. Uh, some of the players have suggested that that he's still is a really uh, funny guy behind the scenes in the locker room. Um, but just having as little access as we've ever, ever had really covering the, the NFL this year with COVID restrictions, um, it's just really hard to say how much he's grown as the quarterback, as an individual. Um, and I don't really want to speculate on that. So we'll see. Ho- hopefully the Saints can keep him around, and we'll see where things uh, shake up for training camp. Now, full di- full disclosure, I probably should have talked to you about this before we started recording, John. But whatever, we're recording, so we'll just do it right here. Uh, so for some housekeeping, we'll yeah, yeah, let's just do it live. We'll just figure this thing out live. So my understanding is that for the Saints Wire podcast, we're going to take a, a few weeks off here. So this will be our final quote unquote twenty twenty season show. So we're wrapping up here for a few weeks, but then we'll be back in March is my understanding. That first week of March, we'll have a new episode out and we'll start talking getting into free agency. We'll start talking about who the Saints do bring in and then we'll start talking about the draft in April. So I think that is the game plan for the Saints Wire podcast going forward. Again, sorry I didn't talk to you about that before we started recording, but um, all I got to say is it's been a blast doing this. We've been doing it for like 20, 21 weeks in a row now. So I will miss you over the next month, John, for sure. Waiting for those shows in March to come back. But uh, I don't know. You just you're a knowledgeable, funny guy. And uh, because I appreciate you so much, I have I don't think I've said the word Tom Brady once until this point of the show. And I, I made a point to do that. You know how I feel about Tom Brady, but I did not bring him up at all for this whole show. And that's because I love you, man. I appreciate you, bud. I appreciate you. Uh, for, for being very very conscientious of that, uh, you're, you're, you're 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 good dude, Ryan. It's been great doing the show with you. Um, looking forward to getting back into it here in March. Yeah, one hundred percent. So to all the Saints fans that hung with us, thanks so much. We appreciate you. John and I will be back in March to talk free agency and draft. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to you then. 
USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.